Science fiction, a genre full of possibility and promise, pitfalls and perils. If you know me, there's no secret that science fiction is one of my favorite genres, as well as its neighbor, speculative fiction. From a young age, I was engrossed in the adventures of Doc Brown and Marty McFly as they traveled to various times, breaking and fixing the timeline. While it may not follow through truly scientifically or logically, I'd still say it falls under SF's fiction portion. The fact that the story is fiction allows for situations where real science can be applied, but leaves enough space for creativity and entertainment. So you're likely wondering why, specifically, I'm looking at 90s SF as opposed to the 80s, arguably the best decade in the genre's history. The 90s were a wild decade where, for the first time in a while, things were looking more positive for the human race, at least in America. A wild optimism and sudden, a booming economy led to the greenlighting of a ridiculous amount of new shows, films, books, spin-offs, and pilots. Some would last, becoming household names, and others died swift deaths before all their episodes could even air. Combine that in a new sense of morality towards environmentalism, animal activism, and even new opinions on the paranormal and sexual mores, it leads to a whole new breed of SF made for a 90s audience. I aim to illuminate some of the wildest and obscure titles from the SF canon, as well as those that were hits in their day, but are rarely mentioned in current discussions of the genre. I'll discuss some history and production information, thoughts on certain plot points and the legacy of the shows. For pilots, plots will be given a summary, but for series, a larger view will be taken. Now that means that this isn't going to be a Star Trek podcast, though DS9 and Voyager are fantastic, they will only be mentioned when applicable. Babylon 5, that's at least obscure enough to most folks that I'm going to make sure it gets an episode all its own. I adore B5. The kind of shows I'm talking about are things like Sliders, or, as you'll see in our first episode, Sequest DSV. What if you took the premise of Star Trek, but set it underwater? That surface level comparison, it's pretty apt. But just like the oceans and trenches of planet Earth, this show is far deeper than that premise would imply. This is Sequest DSV.
Sequest DSV was an American science fiction television series created by Rockney S. O'Bannon, the guy who brought us Farscape, Defiance, Alienation, and currently serves as an executive producer on Evil. It aired originally between 1993 and 96 on NBC. Set in the near future of 2018, it starred Roy Scheider, who finally got a much bigger boat, as Captain Nathan Bridger, designer and captain of the Sequest DSV 4600. Jonathan Brandis as a less annoying Wesley Crusher, Lucas Wallencheck, a teenage hacker and genius. And finally, Stephanie Beecham as Dr. Beverly Cr I mean Kristen Westphalen, the chief medical officer and head of the Sequest Science Division. Of course, there was also one particular character that embodied a few elements discussed earlier when talking about the 90s SF zeitgeist, Darwin the Dolphin, who, due to the work of Lucas and his translation algorithm, was able to speak with the crew, as well as freely travel throughout the ship, even to the bridge. Unfortunately, no, he was not a real dolphin, but he was a fairly advanced robot. It's pretty impressive if you watch the behind the scenes, but I digress. The world of Sequest is very much like our own, with a few notable exceptions that may prove to be prescient of a still future time period for us. At some point during the last two decades, several wars broke out amongst the nations of the world, leading to a serious depletion of natural resources, as well as some knock-on effects of global warming. This led to a large portion of humanity drastically changing their ways, even banning the consumption of animals and creating alternative energy solutions. In an effort to find more resources to keep humanity functioning, the oceans and the ocean floor have been opened to colonization. The same doors that allowed individuals to move to the seas have also, in turn, led to the creation of the United Earth Oceans Organization, the UEO, a global coalition of upworld countries and undersea confederations, similar to the United Nations. So instead of a federation flagship, you're along the ride on the flagship of the UEO, a giant DSV, Deep Submersible Vehicle, that patrols the seas, saving colonists, stopping poachers, and engaging in a variety of scientific pursuits. Each week, some new situation comes along, and it's up to the crew of the Sequest, or sometimes an individual member, to solve it. Each episode exudes a mix of high drama, but a healthy amount of whimsy and lightheartedness. That makes it a solid choice for family viewing. For that, you can thank executive producer Steven Spielberg himself. Well, I guess that makes two Jaws references. Yes, like most things he's touched, Steven Spielberg has imparted his style on Sequest enough that you'd likely guess his involvement without his credit. Topics covered in the show range from researching undersea volcanoes to stopping an insane dictator played by none other than William Shatner, solving the mystery of a literal ghost ship, and peer pressure, young love, and trying to make at least one cheeseburger in paradise. While most of the first season spends its episodes in science-possible territory, more or less speculative fiction, plots and technologies are theoretically possible. At least two episodes kind of eschew the realism for more fantastical situations, and one of them even has Charlton Heston. 
The series suffered in the ratings due to airing at the same time as Murder, She Wrote and Lois and Clark. So, by the second season, the premise had to be reworked to attract a wider demographic. While season one was more family-friendly, season two wanted the sex appeal. A younger supporting cast and a redesign of the Sequest were added, as well as moving production from Los Angeles to Orlando. The far more controversial change came in the types of episodes that were produced. The second season explored heavy science fiction concepts such as genetic engineering, parapsychology, time travel, and monsters of the week, like killer plants, a giant fire-breathing worm, a prehistoric crocodile, and a literal demon. Sidebar, a huge fan of the first season, really, but I was very much taken aback when it came to a few things in season two. Namely, so psychics were featured in one episode involving the sunken library of Alexandria. In that episode, it was implied that they were not as common or at least as recognized as being real by many people in the world. But here, it seems like it's a accepted fact. And also, genetic engineering on humans was apparently pretty explicitly illegal in a season one episode dealing with a rogue scientist who made a deep sea capable child with gills. But in the season two premiere, apparently, the UEO actually conducts genetic experiments on human prisoners as a means of early release. Those are just a couple of sticking points I had. But on the topic of telepaths, Parapsychology finds its way into many 90s SF productions, especially shows like Babylon 5, so don't be surprised to see further discussions in that realm going forward. The final season saw a major rebranding and a time jump. After Mark Hamill transports Sequest through time and space to help settle an alien civil war, yes, this is still the same show with the silly talking dolphin, the Sequest and its crew find themselves transported back to Earth, but in the year 2032. The intervening years were not happy ones. With Sequest gone, the near-utopia of the UEO fell apart as warring factions began to vie for the open seas without much resistance. Basil Exposition leads one faction in a larger campaign that uses subduction weapons to irrevocably change the face of the planet by sinking millions of miles of land beneath the ocean. New foes were added as the Macronesian Alliance and a corporation ripped straight out of a cyberpunk novel. But unfortunately, it didn't stick. The marine trivia presentations that had previously followed each episode, first hosted by oceanographer Bob Ballard, and in the second season by members of the cast, were dropped entirely. But that wouldn't be the only thing lost. Roy Scheider was absolutely furious about the second season's shift to more science fiction, speaking very poorly about the whole production. As such, he left the series in its final season with only a handful of cameo appearances. In his place was Sam Fisher of Third Echelon, aka Michael Ironside. Ironside was much of the same mind as Scheider and pushed for the producers to change the tone of the show, even being quoted as saying, You won't find me fighting any man eating glowworms, rubber plants, 40 foot crocodiles, and I don't talk to Darwin. Overall, the show went back to a plot more like season one 
but with a much darker tone. During the course of the season, even main characters are killed off. A fate that befell Sequest 2032 itself after only 13 episodes. The final episode aired June 9th, 1996. Sequest left a Darwin-shaped mark in the hearts of many SF fans over the years, eventually leading to Blu-ray releases in the recent years. The fantastic soundtrack with a theme composed by John Debney that you heard earlier is available to stream on Spotify, and the entire series itself is available to stream on Peacock. Well, that about does it for this episode of 1995. Next time, we're going to be taking a look at a series that is near and dear to my heart, and I could just babble on and on and on and on about it. Until next time. Thank God it's almost enough to make you start believing in miracles, isn't it?